Hello and welcome to They Just Get It. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm, and I'm excited as I always am for my... I got two guests on the show today, Rem Vlasblom and Judd Lee. How are you doing, gentlemen? Doing wonderful, thanks. How are you? I am really good. It's... uh, it's winter. It's winter in Calgary. This will probably air in a little bit in the future here. But if I look out to the forecast, this is mandatory five minutes of weather of Canadian weather talk, which we've already done before we push record. But it's fresh and it's clean and it's and it's a winter morning. And I'm really curious to learn what you guys have been up to in Creative Freedom eighty eight forty eight. So before we go too far, I love to get the audience right in close, real quick. Who wants to uh, jump in the old? Uh, I guess this isn't a pitch elevator, but the elevator. Tell us about what is freedom. What is freedom eighty eight forty eight for starters, and then we'll get into why you guys created it, its reason for being, and all the fun stuff that go around that. Yeah, I don't know if we're going to rock paper scissors over this one. Yeah, yeah, uh... totally. Whoever whoever feels comfortable, (laughs) Judd, why don't you start and we'll we'll get it rolling. Judd, why don't you take uh, what it is, and then I'll talk about how we got here. Sounds good. Yeah, so. Freedom 8848, uh, people call it 8848, 8848, uh, you know, all these different numbers that people, when they look at their, our title of what we're up to, and often they're like, well, what, what's with the title? And so 8,848 meters is the height of Mount Everest. So anyone that's into mountaineering or wanting to know mountains, statistics would know that that's the height of Everest. and uh, highest mountain in the world and so what it is is an event it's a fundraising event that um the i guess the peak of the event and the event itself happens in the in the middle of august every year uh this past summer was our second time running the event with uh almost 30 people signed up and what we're doing is essentially uh taking people on a journey from around February, March, all the way through to August with our partners. So we have three different partners and each of them fit into our three pillars. And so the three partners uh, fit into prevention, rescue, and restoration. And those three partners work specifically in those areas of uh, sex trafficking or sexual exploitation. And so because our uh, ambitious goal of climbing the equivalent of Mount Everest in three days is done uh, with some athletes, three mountains a day, we have the ability for the athletes to learn from those partner organizations there during the event and the months that lead up to the event. So we, we do a series of webinars slash uh, in-person now that COVID is kind of gone, uh, in-person sessions with our partners so that the athletes can really um, understand at a deeper level what it is uh, that our partners are doing on the front lines and why we are fundraising for them and going after such a big objective. Well, that was, that was was well, that was well done. I think that was almost one breath. Well done, sir. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I got so many questions, but Ram, do you want to add a little, any pieces to that? And then we can kind of dissect, kind of take, take this whole idea apart a little bit. Uh, well, I think Judd nailed the, uh, uh, what it is quite well. Um, you had asked what, uh, what led to it mm-hmm. and I can cover that now. Uh, 
as an answer, or unless you wanted to dive deeper into what judges talk. No, about? a little. I think we can get to that throughout, but a little bit of the, the why, and you know, your second year, so relatively new, and yeah, how, how does something of this scale, scope, magnitude, or this idea, everything starts, you know, the back of the napkin phase of this? Where where did this come from? And definitely the motivation, uh, understanding the link to sex trafficking and sexual exploitation being such a big mountain to climb in itself, but also a pretty heavy topic that I'll be blunt. A lot of people like to avoid it because it is uncomfortable. And it's interesting that, that you guys chose it and certainly a little bit of the, the why and specifically how that came to be the backdrop for this whole thing. Awesome. Okay. Well, um, I think the initial start of this whole thing was in 2016 when Judd and I both participated in, uh, an event put on by the Fourth Musketeer Canada. It's called the Extreme Character Challenge, where participants go out to the to the mountains and do all kinds of wild and crazy fun stuff that uh, are meant to challenge us spiritually, mentally, physically, all those types of things. And there, we just got a glimpse of understanding that one of the the Fourth Musketeer Canada is is very passionate about fighting human or sorry, injustice. And, uh, of course, one of those forms of injustice is sex trafficking. And so we learned a little bit more about it. And at, over the next couple of years, we, we, we talked that we, we need to get into this fight, just trying to figure out uh, what that exactly is going to look like. And one thing that we did was participate in an awesome event called Ride for Refuge. That's, uh, that's a bike ride that happens every year in support of a wonderful ministry that we love, uh, Next Step Ministries, um, that helps women who are exiting the sex trade. So we did it. And the first year I was the leader and we raised something like $5,000. And then Judd the next year said, hey, can I lead this thing? And of course I said, yeah, if you're passionate about that, go for it. And, and then, of course, when he led it, then we doubled that, which is awesome. Um, but at the end of it, I actually had to drag Judd up and down the big hill in Cochrane a couple of times to, to make a confession. And that is that I didn't actually raise any money. And he said, well, what are you talking about? You, you, you did raise some, some good money. I said, no, I didn't. What I did is I donated to my own campaign anonymously in little bits to make it look like I was raising money. But as you mentioned, Tyler, it's a hard topic to talk about and I was too uncomfortable to talk to anybody about what we were doing. So then that that's how I compensated for it. So Judd said, well what's it gonna take? What are you scared of? And that's that's what I thought uh that's what I thought about and after some serious thought I realized I have to do something that is so hard that I don't know that I can even do it. Certainly not without outside support and, of course, uh, leaning on, on God to lead us through this stuff. Something that's so hard that when I tell people about it, they're going to say, you're going to do what? Why are you going to do that? Hmm. And that's what happened. So it was that night or a couple of nights later that it hit me that this, this whole problem feels like you're standing at the base of Mount Everest just looking at this massive peak that you're never going to be able to climb. And there's no point in even starting off in that direction if you can't peak it. So why, why bother even trying? But people actually do climb Mount Everest on their own every year, and they do it successfully. 
I realized that's what we have to do is symbolically climb Mount Everest to say we can climb this thing. We can defeat this, this, this problem. And by doing that, by, by saying, I'm going to go out and I'm going to climb nine mountains in three days, then people ask, why are you going to do that? And then just the conversation naturally flows and then awareness gets raised and, and people are inspired and they donate to these awesome organizations that we support and the rest is history. So much of that I want to unpack a little bit. And thank you for your honesty and just the vulnerability, even the way you shared it. I'd love to hear a little bit, even that moment when you had to kind of come clean, maybe to yourself and to your friend. And so often to move forward in ways that we never even thought about, we've got to get over those barriers or kind of our own blocks. You said, you know, mm-hmm. a couple trips, I know the hill you're referring to in Cochrane, a couple trips up and down the hill, meaning that. You had to work your way up to it or kind of ease into it or kind of almost break yourself down physically biking or hiking or doing up that hill to a point that you break away some of those barriers that keep us kind of locked in these old belief patterns. I don't know. I just want to explore that a little bit because you skipped over that pretty quickly and very innocently, but there's a lot to be said there and how many of us never get to that next level because we don't have that conversation with ourselves or more importantly, someone in our life that we trust that'll either hold us accountable to what we just told them or also help us kind of work through it. So maybe unpack a little bit about even that portion of coming clean on that. Um, yeah, thanks for asking that one. Um, that, that, that actually was a deliberate act on my part, uh, that the whole climb the, the Cochrane Hill thing. And that's another part that came out of the, the fourth musketeer challenge that we went on is, is realizing that you really want to come honest and come clean and have raw, unfiltered conversation about things that matter, one really good way, not the only way, but one really good way to accomplish that is to get outside in nature and get your blood pumping and and do something hard. I mean, not that the Cochrane Hill is particularly hard, but it's close, and we did a couple of laps, and and I think it was by the second time at the top, I was finally ready to say, okay, Chad, I got something I got to tell you. and. And of course, he's the type of guy that's that's a really good at at pulling honest conversation out of people, but also um, being there for you when you do share that kind of stuff. Which is why I was able to. How long have you guys been friends? Around here, yeah, around 2016, I think. Yeah. Okay, cool. Just, 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 just curious. There's the role that that people play in our lives. Judd, just being on your, on, on the side of receiving that for, for you being in that situation. I know we'll move on from this because I'm just, I just love the interaction. I love just the honesty that you brought forward, Rem and, you know, Judd being on the other side, would you guys biking or running up the hill? What were you doing on the hill? Just for starters. We were, yeah. We were running slash walking in okay. combination. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Rem comes, comes clean and I know it's so, so much more than that, but it's a fun way to position it and, you know, puts this out to you and right away you lean in and go, Hey, let's, let's do, let's do something with this. Just curious on the, this feels like it's so the, the moment, the spark or the fire that kind of lit this idea up. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, quite honestly, we'd been, we'd been wrestling with like, what do we do? That's, that's more epic than this bike ride. Probably, mm-hmm. uh, for a good year and a half, if not two years at that point. And so it was just a clear indicator to me that uh, Rem specifically needed something bigger. Um, but I didn't really see what was coming after. Uh, so that was something that actually came through through Rem's brain. Um, and yeah, I, was, I wasn't completely shocked with uh, what he had 
shared with me that he hadn't raised funds. I was just curious. Yep. And uh, I wanted to know, you know, why, why would you put yourself in that position? And the more I learned about why I was like, wow, that's fascinating. So he's definitely not going to be alone in that place. And there's going to be lots of people that would be in the place of really not wanting to have these discussions because yes, they're uncomfortable and the subject matter, um, as, as most people know, is something where it's, you know, you'll get into a conversation with somebody about it and then they won't be comfortable. So like initiating the conversation might put you in a situation where you're talking to someone and they just want to like get out of the room if you're in the same room or hang up the phone or what have you. But I've found that um, now, however many years later, um, there is a way of having these conversations that can actually empower people to um, dig in further on their own timeline. Uh, there's a way of giving them subtle and small pieces of information that allows them to explore the subject matter further. And I think one of those ways is actually podcasts. And uh, I, I'm not sure. I know you mentioned you're already a supporter of IJM, which is one of our partners. And I'm not sure if you've listened through the Finding Ruby series yet. I haven't. Um, it's on. It, no, I haven't. But I know, I know of, we just shared it on our social media channels actually recently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, that that is one thing right now, like currently in uh, 2022, when somebody asks, you know, what are you guys up to or what's going on with Freedom 8848? And that would be one of the natural things that will come to mind for me. And like, well, I'm just really unpacking what I'm learning through uh, the story of Finding Ruby. You guys should really listen to it. And so I talked to a lot of different people in a lot of different places. And I shared that with uh, a friend in the Calgary police service last night. Uh, our kids were in swim club together and uh, he's actually on the specialized unit for um, looking for trafficking situations uh, in uh, Calgary airport. And so he and I've already had lots of different co conversations about um, human trafficking, sex trafficking. He works on that specialized unit within the police department. But this is just another part of the conversation that hasn't been explored. And the way that they unpack it in the podcast is, is incredible. I mean, you can, you can read books on the subject. You can listen to podcasts. You can go through our website, um, has a whole bunch of resources and documentary films. And I mean, it is a rabbit hole that you can, you can go down on your own time um, when you're not in conversation. But uh, I don't know if I'm answering your question right now. No, I think you're well. <laughs> yes, and, yes, and no. That's, hey, that's why podcasts are long form. We've got lots of time to work back on and everything. <laughs> and I know certainly my experience through you know I've only I became aware of International Justice Mission probably about two years ago and became an ambassador for them in the last year and have done a lot of you know speaking events for them and just being really cautious and being very aware of allowing people to meet this concept or this idea or this reality at a pace that they can process. Because the last thing mm -hmm. you want to do is, you know, a shock and awe campaign doesn't work for this sort of thing at all because people just like shut down and leave because it is so inherently uncomfortable. And I mm -hmm. think that also the reality of, oh, this is something that happens overseas, but like listening to you talk and something I've certainly become aware of, like, no, no, no. Once you even understand supply side, demand side and the role that North America or Canada specifically, like this isn't a problem in someone else's backyard. This is very much a problem in ours. And I think even that awareness for people forgetting about or not even having to open the door on the dark and the really disturbing things that you can find when you start looking at this, but just understanding that we play a part in this. So therefore we play a part in fixing it 
to me, that's almost often the first step, which I kind of, I love what you're talking about, your, your contact in the Calgary Police Service. Um, the whole concept or this idea of human trafficking and, and sex trafficking and, 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 and exploitation, how did that first get on your guys' radar? Like thinking about as we, the th- collective three of us, are working to get more awareness around this. I remember when I became aware of it and I knew it was there. I just didn't, it hit me in a way that I was like, whoa, what? I, I don't know. There's a moment when I guess you realize the problem is. So for both of you, was it the, the fourth musketeer? Was that when this really started to become like, and, and Rem, you said the thing, we, we need to get into this fight. I really like that statement because it's very action oriented. <laughs> and maybe, maybe for us guys on this call, it's like, oh yeah, like where can I, like where can I pick up the, 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 the spear and go and go fight this thing? Was that through 2016 of getting involved with that event? Was that really where that landed for both of you? Yeah, actually, um, it's funny that you that you mentioned the overseas piece because that actually is a is a very integral part of of why eight eight four eight exists as well. Because hmm. um, the Fourth Musketeer also puts on an event called the Muscathlon, and uh, what that is, it, that's something I I dream of doing myself one of these days, and and someday when we have have the resources to pull it off and we're not distracted by other stuff then uh i'm going to do it but what that is it's a it's a short-term mission trip overseas into uh traditional human trafficking hotspots and what the the participants will go overseas and they'll work with survivors and organizations that are that are in the fight but then they'll cap it off with some kind of an endurance race at the end and there's a bunch of different versions whether it's a 120k bike ride through the desert or a marathon through the jungle overseas they'll do that and it's that it's that endurance race that people raise raise funds for the organizations that they're involved with when they're overseas and it is very effective it changes lives and it makes a huge difference in those communities and they raise a lot of money so that's actually what what drove the genesis of Freedom Eight Eight Four Eight is that yeah we we need that is an awesome model and we need to do that but we also need to do it here because like you said trafficking happens here victims are are being exploited here and also perpetrators are originating here so we have to do it here because it's not just an overseas problem it's happening here in addition um, as much as 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 the uh, muscathlon is great we'll be able to go overseas for extended periods of time whereas uh we want something where people can can do it over like a four or five day period which uh is more attainable for some people even though it's physically it's insane I, yeah well, well let's we'll get into the actual nuts and bolts of 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 the thing uh with the type of people you see, you're at thirty. You were at thirty last summer. Um, this was your second summer. What was it? The first. I'm just curious. Like, so the first, the first year you ran it, was it you and just kind of a bunch of friends? And has it expanded beyond that, kind of to those next couple concentric circles of people that that you know through other people versus just your community? How's this thing expanding, and how are you getting it out there? Uh, well, we did we did run a pilot in 2020, and uh, as everyone knows, the year that the world literally <laughs> we, we shut do. down. We do. <laughs> so uh, we did start with a group of six people uh, as a pilot, and we didn't really uh, say this is our inaugural event. We we called it a pilot because 
it was a testing the waters. It was a, can we accomplish the objective and, and six very dedicated people, REM being one of those six who went after the full summit. So one of the things that, um, I also really like to clarify with people uh, that are learning about the event and how it's growing is that the full summit experience is the three mountains a day for three days and is, is, okay. is physically really hard. But we also in our, uh, our inaugural event, which had been 2021, uh, we decided let's, let's run three different tiers so that there's the full summit. And then there's the equivalent of Everest base camp, which is 5,600 meters. And then there's a, a third tier called Mountain Movers, which is just called Mountain Movers, no attachment to Everest. Yeah. Um, and those two tiers are two mountains a day and one mountain a day. So in order to, to grow um, the event itself and the people that are coming in, we wanted to make it more accessible mm. so that it wasn't just the people that were like, oh, yeah, I can, I can do that. I can climb three mountains a day for three days straight. Sure, I can do that. And <laughs> that, that will attract a certain uh, demographic of, of human that has you know, those ultra marathon type tendencies more so yeah. than the, the person that's quite happy to, to hike one mountain a day. And we, we've had uh, uh, a gentleman out there who is, you know, pushing into, you know, 80. So like in, in the seventies. And so, um, we will have, uh, a real different demographic because of, of that. And I think the other thing that, uh, is really needs to be put out there is it is a faith-based event. And so, uh, we're not hiding that we're not trying to, you know, catch people off guard. Um, and our motivations do come from, um, being followers of Jesus. And so, you know, a lot of the content that uh, we share comes from a faith-based perspective. So in some ways that does limit the people that will sign up. Like I've asked friends that are, are not Christians if they'd want to, and they're just like, yeah, you know, it's, I know that's your thing, but that's really not for me. Um, mm -hmm. But we would like to expand into people that come from different uh, faith backgrounds or not uh, to be out there, but we're also going to be very transparent with them that, you know, if they're going to come out and then we're going to be singing Christian songs, then they're not like, oh, what on earth did I sign up for? <laughs> I appreciate the transparency. Everyone's yeah. entitled to their beliefs and as, as you guys are yeah. entitled to yours. And I, I love that you led with that and we're just upfront about it because it's irrelevant what you or don't you. Here's what we believe and here's what we're doing this from. And, and that's just what it is. And I, I do appreciate yeah. the clarity around that. Uh, yeah. From an individual participant's perspective, do you like, I'm thinking about fundraisers I did as a kid and do you go out and get pledges and, you know, I pledge to run three kilometers in the Terry Fox race and you're going to, you know, donate this much money is, is it done that way? Is it kind of like from a, from a, each individual is responsible for raising their funds in that, in that yeah. way. And I'm just going back to a reference point that I have in my head for some reason, which is the Terry Fox run for many years ago. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's not a, a dollar per meter, but it's strongly suggested that, Hey, like if you're going to go after something this big, why don't you try and raise big money? And okay. um, cool. Rem had mentioned the Muscathlon as kind of one of our, you know, uh, motivating factors for doing what we're doing. And and the Muscathlon is a, it, they do have a minimum requirement of $10,000 per uh, participant. So we decided we didn't want to, to put that in our, uh, our method, uh, a minimum requirement. Uh, but we do, really hope that that's what people will will strive for um because the the problem does require funds i mean the uh the counselors the 
specialists, the police forces in different countries that are going in to do this work, the lawyers, the um, aftercare workers, uh, the, yeah, there's just so many different roles that are a part of being funded and that money isn't going to be, uh, you know, especially with a smaller event with 30 people, we're not, we're not going to put a big dent in it if we don't, if we don't go after okay. larger funds. So, yeah. And then uh, you asked about platform or pledges. Um, if you go through our website um, and you, you dig into the leaderboards. So we use a uh, fundraiser with a Z fundraiser as our platform. Uh, we found it was a very effective tool in allowing people to share their why, share their stories mm-hmm. and what they've learned or why they're involved. And if you click on the different athletes, you will be able to read why are they doing this? When did they learn about it? How long have they known about it? Um, and they can, they can vlog on there. They can give update pictures as they're training. They can give you update stories as they go through. And a lot of our athletes last year did an incredible job of doing that and keeping people, their people, their donor base in the know of, uh, yeah, how they're doing on their, on their process from uh, March all the way through to, to August. I, I, I love it. Bringing people along your journey of learning. So they're, 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 they're kind of walking in step with you as you're going through your process of learning, culminating in this event. Has it been fairly like your attendance of 30 last year? Was that fairly, the people from Alberta, was it, did people travel in from it? Is it, I'm just curious, like the, the nuts and bolts of where people are coming from as the word's starting to get out. Uh, yeah, this year uh, it was primarily people from this area. Uh, strangely, the year, year before we had people coming from other areas to, to participate in the event, but we also uh due to to covid we ran a a remote experience so we actually had created a whole bunch of uh video content and uh messaging cards that allowed people to participate remotely wherever they were so we had people doing the grouse grind in vancouver we had people going up and down a coulee in a provincial park in saskatchewan (laughs) Um, and so we we had actually had a lot more numbers in 2021 um but on our team uh our leadership team the amount of effort that went into creating a remote event and running a live event uh put us too close to being burnt out so we (laughs) this year we stepped back from remote we're like okay people for the most part are comfortable being live and just went back just a a live event this year without the remote so we didn't have that same reach into other areas um yeah. Which I, which I, which I appreciate. Yeah. The, the marathon inside the marathon of putting on the event. I, I do appreciate, I appreciate, mm. I appreciate that. Um, from a money raised or impact created or, you know, the story of why we're doing it. I do you guys as part of it. And I'm kind of skimming through your site here as we're talking, I was reading through it this morning. Do you get to have a connection to where that money went or the impact it had? And that's often a challenge. I talk to people like, well, if I donate $10,000, where's it going to go? Like, is, is this going to save a child? Is this going to help people? Is this going to help um, change a justice system? You know, which I know one of IGM's, you know, their core change model is that long-term uh, thought around how do we change the way this whole environment functions so that we actually penalize the people that commit the crimes and so on and so forth. Is that a factor for you guys? Or, or have you got to that point where you can go, yeah, we, you know, we raised 223,000 number on here and we can look and say, this is where it actually had positive impact. Or is there still a disconnect between the money raised and maybe the actual, the actual thing that it impacted versus just the overall good that it created? 
Uh, well, we do we do ask our partners to give us uh, an update of where the funds are going to go okay. in advance, and then we ask uh, when the when the year is through. You know, can we uh, send out an email or something follow up to the athletes so they can know what happened with the funds? And so um, IJM did write to us, and they gave us an incredible story of a uh, operation trafficking operation that was busted in uh, the Philippines uh, after our event last year. And they specifically said the amount of funds that you were able to raise to us uh, allowed this many children to be rescued from this specific, amazing, uh, this specific bust. And this is what it took. And then um, they go on to uh, expand on that in the email, which is something that we can then take to our athletes and say, Hey guys, like months later, look at what, look at where these funds went. And the same with next step ministries. Like we were able to, um, help them because there, I don't know if you know the statistics of, uh, prostitution in, in Calgary. Uh, but it is such a, uh, large and growing issue that there, there are, a lack of supports for houses or expanding into more houses. And so, you know, to put a dent in a mortgage on an, on another house to allow more women out of that reality um, is, is something that we were able to do last year. Um, Amazing. Yeah. So yes, yes, they will be able to give us um, numbers and, and what the impacts are. And then our prevention partner as well, working in the, the realm of educating youth and helping them to understand what the grooming tactics look like uh, to essentially uh, stop it from happening in the first place. Like uh, Brave Education for Trafficking Prevention works in schools across the country. Uh, they travel into reserves. Um, they, they are definitely well connected uh, and and giving those kinds of presentations across our country, which of course they require educators and, and people mm-hmm. to be traveling and going to these places to, to work in that prevention realm as well. So yes, we do, we do get the information from the partners uh, that allow us to then share with our athletes and their donors at large to what the uh, multiple impacts are of, of the climb. I really appreciate that. And so, you know, as we as a society become more, where are my dollars going and what impact is it having? I, I, I certainly seen and talking with a lot of people and friends working in the non-for-profit space, there's certainly a desire or a want or a request from donors now to have a little bit more like, oh no, I, I wrote a check and I felt good about it. Where did my dollars go and what did they actually do? The actual impact. Um, Next Step Ministries and Brave Education for Trafficking Prevention, two organizations, I again, which is the whole point, I just got introduced to today or recently like when I first came aware of, of your organization are they international organizations or are they canadian based just to, to tell again part of this is also to let people learn about it, uh, these organizations that they might not have heard about before today yeah so um both are calgary local okay and oh, awesome. one of the things like rem had mentioned is like this isn't just a problem that's abroad so we really really want to support and and have ijm as a partner and they are an international organization. They were, mm-hmm. they are probably one of the largest, if not the largest anti-slavery, anti-poverty organizations in the world. So to have them as a partner is incredible. Um, but to also work with smaller organizations that are, 
you know, the up and comings, um, like, like brave, who's been, uh, working now for four years and next step that's been closer to 10, 15 years, um, to, to have those kind of different, um, I guess organizations that are in different stages of development, I think is also really special because you're, you're not only helping the guys that have been going and have their systems figured out, you're, you're helping those that are just rolling as well, just getting things going and, to be in the, the three different pillars as well, right? The prevention world, the rescue world, and the restoration world. So, I really appreciate it. And also, of course, uh, v- very um, pro-Calgary, pro-Western Canada, pro-fixing like fixing the problems at home. And I, I love the work that International Justin Mission does, and I've got to know them globally as well as their Canadian, their Canadian team and understanding the, the, the realities. But so often, it's easy to look abroad at the problems that need to be fixed or the help that's needed. And sometimes overlooking that, unfortunately, these things are happening right in our backyard. So I, re- I really like that you guys have that angle. Like, just personally, that resonates with me a lot. Um, the road ahead, obviously, there's no end to the need. So we, we, we kind of touched on that. But as far as the event and where you see this evolving to, Ram, I'll throw it maybe back over to you and just your perspective of, you know, what's the next couple of years look like for this initiative, this, this mission, this journey, this, this fight that you guys are, have, have put your hands up for and, and done something about? I'm really excited about that part of it because um, I think I think you asked the question earlier, like where are your athletes coming from? Is it friends or friends of friends, mm-hmm. that kind of thing, right? And um, so, yeah, in the first year it was friends, and then more friends, uh, almost ex- almost exclusively people that uh, that we knew, and and uh, you know maybe one layer deeper than that, mm-hmm. but then. This year is when things started to get beyond people that we knew and we start seeing people sign up and Judd says, hey, do you know who this guy is? And I don't know who that guy is and whatever. So people are starting to come out of the woodwork. Um, and out of those groups were people who were very effective, passionate um, speakers and writers and climbers that that were so good at talking about what it is that they're up to and why that it really caused the reach to expand considerably. So in answer to your question for next year and and years going forward, I feel like that um, it's just going to grow into a deeper, broader group of people who are passionate about this, this issue, Uh, not just friends or people that we know from church or things like that, but um but yeah, yeah, a really diverse group. And so what that's going to result in happening is, is not just the money raised, but I think that's going to skyrocket too, but also the awareness raised. So people start to learn about the fact that this happens here, that it's not okay, and some of the root causes, and that maybe we need to start working on those root causes so that we can uh, move this ball forward and, and, uh, and start winning this fight. I love initiatives like because it can feel very hopeless, you know, not to draw parallels to individuals that are trapped in these cycles. But you hear about this, especially if you hear a lot of it very quickly, it can feel very insurmountable and, and overwhelming, like standing at the base of a mountain, not to bring that all back, but mm. to, to see progress and see that, no, no, one chip at a time, every dollar helps that, that mindset. And especially, I love how you've split this across. I'm a huge supporter of IGM, but I love if you split this across three different organizations to support your three pillars understanding that this is a complex problem to solve and it takes different organizations with a different focus. 
I love that you guys are bringing awareness to that on so, on so many levels that there there is no one solution, but we're you know if we all come together, we can really put a dent in this thing from different sides. And to me, Absolutely. that's that t- that tied to the extreme physicality of it. You're going to attract an interesting group of individuals. I can already think of a handful of people I'm going to share this with that fit into that yeah. that bucket. They know who they are, so we won't we won't give them any other <laughs> monikers than that. They're not your typical group, <laughs> which is exactly who you want to tackle this problem, this size of a problem. <laughs> well, I'd love to speak to that too, actually, if uh, if it's okay. Yeah, please dive in, absolutely. Um, because I think I think one one danger is that we we leave the impression that climbing nine mountains a day or nine mountains a day nine mountains it's already three Rem, it's already enough you don't need to make it bigger <laughs> yeah yeah let's not do that although <laughs> although we do have one guy who wanted to do it nonstop but uh, but we said no no you you take a you take a nap every night and then we'll try again tomorrow morning but um, no but the, we 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 risk giving the impression that this is for elite athletes yeah. and and whatnot and interesting piece of that is like i'm not an elite athlete i I joke i'm a recovering couch potato and i'm i'm not athletic in any stretch but i i I saw this thing it was important and i trained hard and for an entire summer for it i was able to do it um and so you've got people of of all ages young and old as as judd mentioned um the the really important piece is that you really care about the people that are trapped in this industry and you want to do something about it. You're willing to make a sacrifice to make that happen, whether it's one, two or three mountains a day. And, and so, so yes, we, there, there is a training element to it, but you don't have to be an elite athlete. And the other piece is, I think that, that sacrifice, that, that training that has to go into it um, is what makes it work because None of us are are the the high pressure sales fundraiser get in your face types. We all hate that, um, but you don't have to because you just have to talk about what you're doing and why you're doing it. And you know, in terms of like the physical training and and the sort of the, the inspirational element of climbing mountains the way we do, and the awareness comes in because it, it opens doors like that. I would also assume, and it's my own assumption, that if you do this one year, there's a sense of community, there's a sense of connection, there's a sense of camaraderie, there's all the things that happen. I would imagine yep. you're going to get a lot of return uh, participants. <laughs> it's one of those things like, well, geez, I can't not be involved because of how I felt and the impact that we had. And and then I'm going to bring five other people from my group that were kind of way, there's always the early adopters in every crowd and you kind of watch and see if it works. And then maybe you join them on the, the next expedition or, 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 or adventure. I can I can only assume just through the way we all work as humans that there's a there's a there's a big part of that. Hmm. Well, community's powerful. Like, honestly, the, this this whole uh, that whole this whole thing, any discussion on this topic would be um, would be missing something if we didn't bring up uh, one of our our early adopters that you that you mentioned. Uh, her name is Linnea, an absolutely beautiful soul. And our first year, we had these little 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 rubber band bracelets that, uh, that you see. And we had freedom eight, eight, four, eight, one stone at a time. And I remember I got about 10 words into my pitch and she grabbed one of those red, one of those bands, stuck it on her wrist. And she's like, I'm in. And she dragged, she, she came right from the beginning. And then she dragged a whole bunch of friends out the next year. And then friends of friends started coming out and, and it was that, that passion and the real, 
real tragedy here is we lost Linnea uh, in April this year in a mountaineering accident. Oh, um, she was. I wasn't. Ex- I wasn't expecting skiing. that story to take that turn. <laughs> you got me on that. No. One. Ouch. Ouch. No. Um, no, and <laughs> yeah, no one was. Yeah, and, no kidding. Okay. But the 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 beauty of her and 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 so many of the people that come in is that she was an absolute rocket ship physically. So she was a natural athlete. She would run up and down mountains. She, she actually like set a record doing, um, Olympic summit, the ninth mountain last year. And, but it's her, it was her passion for people and her passion for, for God and her faith that, that actually outshined her physical abilities so much that um, that that brought this uh, this into it, but because of that, that's why so many more people are into it, and we have into into doing this thing. And those people are also bright, shining lights that are that are going to spread this around, which is which is where the whole beauty comes into it. Yeah, creating the community around something is it's powerful. Yeah, uh, gentlemen. Say we miss her. Yeah, I, thank you for thanks. Yeah, thank you for sharing that story from a tribute perspective. And those, we yes, a terrible thing that happened, but celebrating the amazing legacy and certainly the amazing impact. I haven't met her, but I, I'm I feel sad that I didn't because of the impact that she clearly left on you and the, and the people in her community, which sounds like it was mm. significant. Uh, really exciting to hear your, your story, and I love your passion and where you guys come from about this, and just how raw and honest you are about what it is, and and, and kind of why why you're doing it, and. Curious, just from a logistics perspective, and this is the business guy on me, like clearly this is a lot of blood, sweat, and tears from from your team. And I'm just talking to the two of you. I know there's probably many more people, you know, none of this, none of these things happen in the world without a team of people that come together very self often, very well, not often, but almost always very selfish selfishly, selfishly, self selfish. Whoa, what am I I was speaking? Yeah, anyways. Um they put themselves second and they put the idea or the they put the mission first. Uh how do you guys manage that? Is this dollars? Is it just time? Is it a combination of all of it? Like these events don't put themselves on. Mm. Anybody want to dive into the business behind the, <laughs> that makes this happen? You're like, no, it's all those things. I was just yeah. sweat and tears and we do it. So, so I'll, I'll, I'll take a stab at it. So <laughs> sure. um, when Rem and I were going up the, the big Cochrane Hill and he confessed to me uh, that he had not uh, raised any funds for the ride for refuge bike ride fundraiser we were doing and uh he he said i need to do something that i'm afraid of that i don't even know if i can do it but i'm gonna i'm gonna try and so uh the subject of you know saving people's lives from slavery um to preventing people from being exploited uh to you know uh yeah, taking kids out of situations where they've been forced to do imagine, unimaginable things. To me, uh, when when Rem said, you know, what are you afraid of, Judd? What, like, obviously, you're not afraid to talk to people about this stuff, but what are you afraid of? And uh, my answer to him was, okay, in all fairness, if you're going to do something that you're afraid of, I got to do something that I'm afraid of. And for me, it was quit my job, uh, which uh, is a carpenter. Um, you know, quit being a carpenter Judd and just go full time into this mission and, and see how you can uh, grow this thing. And so 
it was a large experiment with my life, I suppose you could say, <laughs> but I did uh, hang up my tool belt for some time and went into the awkward world of how do I do this full time, uh, but ask people to sponsor a position so that I can actually still have my family in my house and you know keep my vehicles on the road and what have you and work with a handful like you said there's a team a handful of people that are volunteering so uh it is a very strange place to be and the people that have been in that world of trying to get their own support to do something important will relate to this a lot more than somebody that's only been volunteering uh but that's kind of the world I put myself into uh, and struggled through for a good year and a half before realizing, okay, I have to put my tool belt back on. I, I can't figure out how to ask enough people to support this position. I'm really good at fundraising for our partners, but in terms of fundraising for myself, I kind of suck at this. <laughs> <laughs> it's a different narrative. It is very much a different it's narrative. so different. And yeah. so um, I do have two or three people that still sponsor uh, the work that I do for Freedom 8848. And what that has allowed me to do in my adjustment of my schedule is every Friday, I completely dedicate and have for the last uh, nice. two years has been my day that is all the administrative, the the meetings, the follow up with partners, the briefing and debriefing of events and uh setting up of uh, the next year and all that kind of stuff, all the logistics in the background. Um, but for me, I am uh, the only one that has like support financially through having that day off throughout the week. And my team that works uh, with me are all volunteers. And so I recognize that um, however many hours they're putting in a week or per month is, is putting themselves completely second uh, with their time, with their finances, with their, their families and everything else. So yeah, it puts me in a in a interesting place, and uh, it's it's a place that I'm honored to be in. Um, but it, it it's a upstep of responsibility, I think, as well, and trying to learn how to juggle that. And uh, one of the things that I do get to do is is check in with my team. And in this last week, that's one of the things that I've done. I've said I've said to others that. Um, are working with Rem and I directly. I said, are you guys good after this last season, after this last year? Um, what can we change to uh, make it easier on you as we move into this next season? Are you still interested in being on the leadership team for the next season? Um, how can we be in a place of sustainability um, as we carry this heavy load? And um, of course, we're, we're looking for other people to mm -hmm. layer in uh, to leadership as well and and help us carry this and um i think one of the craziest things that i can uh share with you tyler is there is a stone that is probably in the 200 to 300 pound range that has uh traveled up and down 17th ave on a rolling cart that has been through elevators and into work nicer space it's been in and out of churches it's been out to the event and uh back and it's a boulder that uh, initially I brought into my backyard because I was going to use it as a landscaping feature. And I hauled that stupid thing into my truck by myself. And I realized that I'm going to completely destroy my body lifting <laughs> this heavy thing by myself. I need a community to help me move it into the next space. Uh, I didn't 
know at the time bringing that thing home that it would become a, a speaking tool um but it did and so this the rem had mentioned with the bracelets our initial uh pitch to people was like moving mountains one stone at a time i didn't realize that that crazy boulder would move around so much and there was just pictures of us with other uh men carrying it through a doorway um to, to bring it in as a as a speaking piece and just to evoke curiosity and why is there a stone in our building what is this thing um but it it does take uh that the saying of many hands makes light work mm-hmm. um it does take a community it takes people of all different skill sets to to come together um and whatever giftings they have whether that's graphic design it uh writers poets uh videographers uh yeah, accountants like that we have we have an incredible team and uh i wish i could uh you know spend the time just naming them on your podcast and and thanking them directly each and every one of them uh for everything they've done to to get us established from the very beginning of when we we pitched this to uh the fourth musketeer to partner in with them all the way through to you know the last meeting we had um and the things that we've had to go through to uh, close off our fundraising year for for this year and getting prepped for next year. I might I might regret this because I don't know how many names there are, but here's the deal. Here's what I'll say back. I loved everything about that story. I've liked the stone. I have picturing you on a TED stage somewhere doing your TED your your TED talk with this stone in the middle of the stage on the on the on the thing. But whenever we put this episode out, send me all those names. We'll mention them. We'll give them a shout out and a thank you on our social media. We have a great network and we have a great following that is really engaged with the content we put out there. So I'd love to support that. Thank you that we can't do right now on air, but we can certainly do it when we put this episode out and they, they, they'll, they'll know who they are and uh, more than happy to kind of put those names out and kind of share that. Cause that's how you, that's, you know, also the world we live in. We also have this unique voice, this, this, soapbox called social media that you can give people that nice little shout out that just make puts mm. a smile on their face for that day so anyways i'm happy to done consider that on my side what i can least contribute and support on this and hopefully this podcast they hear and they they hear their own they hear what they love coming through in the way you guys talk and you're both so passionate about this but um oh, absolutely yeah go ahead mm. oh just you know um you know it's funny you your questions are great because they they really tie together quite well and uh and one thing, one, one thing that comes up for me with that is your question about the volunteers, but also like, and the work that goes in, but also like, where is this thing going? And what we found is that, you know, in year one, it was a couple of buddies doing it with a lot of help from some dedicated people. And it just keeps growing and growing. And each year people come, they, whether they're participants or they're volunteering and they see a need and they say, Hey, we should do this next year. And then they do it, and it just gets better and better. So an example of why I'm so excited about why this is going to explode would be, um, well, I'll, just, I'll, just, I'll throw some names out. Uh, Ange and Tiana, who, um, who are absolutely wonderful, and not, to, not at the expense of anybody else, of the, the dozens of volunteers who made it awesome, but just as an example of they, they created themselves a, a a position called climber care and they just went nuts being themselves making everybody feel loved whether it was through like treats at the at the trailhead or, or drinks that they made or cold brew coffee they brought a massage tent for to help people with sore muscles things like that 
as a result, at the end of the day, everybody, so many climbers felt loved because they were cared for by, by these wonderful people that they've gone from, wow, that was a, that was a good event to, I'm sure they're going to be telling their, their friends and, and acquaintances, you've got to do this because this is how you get treated by these people. <laughs> so, um, those two tie together very nicely. And I love that you guys are creating an environment where <clears throat> that might have been that might have not been on the strap plan, but when it came up, you're like, absolutely, that's a great idea. Go ahead, do that. You know, and there's there's a there's a point of that where the community itself has greater ideas than any single individual could ever go, oh, here's what the perfect event looks like. But I love what you said about letting them like kind of be them in that space or kind of do what they do, which was they love to care for people. So it, it became it was natural and it clearly worked because they came from a from a place of you know what is their living in their genius or living in their passion or whatever whatever trendy thing you want to apply to that but living in the place that comes naturally to those individuals and there's so much power in letting people just do that thing that they love to do because it's always going to be better than someone else that just gets assigned a task <laughs> simply put <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. speaking of Linnea um, I just wanted to say like her. Her, her parents and specifically her father, John, was uh, instrumental uh, in this last year in managing our, our kitchen. And, uh, you know, we'll call it base camp operations or, or whatever we call it. But uh, just to see him work so hard with his team in the kitchen. And like you're talking about people being in the place of where they're passionate about being, just watching him in there with his his friends, newly made friends that uh, were there together was, was something else, like as an observer, just to, to see their dynamic and kind of be on the, on the fringe of where the kitchen is and looking in and hearing them laugh and share stories. And uh, that was really special. And knowing that, you know, uh, people of an older demographic might be like, oh, well, I'd never be able to climb mountains. You guys have a good time out there and I wish I could come. Well, then we can say, well, you you don't have to wish, like, is there a place where you'd like to surf? Is there a place where you would want to layer in? Would you want to be in a, you know, in the, in the cook kitchen or, you know, helping in some other capacity? And we, we do have those, you know, more, uh, family tie in places. It doesn't have to be a bunch of people that are in their twenties that are in prime condition. Like there's (laughs) ripping up and down three, yeah, three minutes a day for three days. No, yeah. and if any of us who've you know going to an event or participating and supporting and volunteering and being involved in an event, two very different experiences. There's mm-hmm. always it's always more fun when you participate. Like, and I love what you said. There's there's certain the pinnacle of you know like you said that the top tier are the people that are doing it at that extreme more the extreme level or where they live, but the opportunity for other people to participate in so many different fronts, which really shows the complexity of this problem we're solving. It's it's a lot of little pieces coming together to solve what is a it is a ginormous hill to climb. <laughs> Gentlemen, I've really enjoyed one your passion, your honesty, and just you guys just showed up as you and t- told me your story, which I which I really love. That's why I love podcasting because you got long form, you got some time to get to know each other and actually kind of lean in and get get the ideas flowing. Uh, freedom eight eight four eight dot ca. You guys have a great website. It's really clear. It's beautiful photos and easy to follow. I'm assuming I'm going to be obvious. If someone wants to get involved, either from a participant or volunteer, they can go to the site and get in touch with you guys probably pretty quickly. Yep. It's, we live in the world. <laughs> I've stopped kind of saying, here's how to get a hold of you. We all know how to get a hold of everybody. We live in this in the same world where it's all a Google, it's all a Google click away. But you said things mm-hmm. kick off in February, March. So I'm assuming you guys are kind of in, are you guys in ramp up mode now or does that kind of start more as January one hits? Uh, we're in close off mode. Uh, okay, ramp, last, ramp, yeah. yeah. Ramp up mode will probably start in, uh, in December through January. But, uh, 
Yeah, we hope to open registration March 1st. And nice. uh, yeah. and with a clear kind of expectation that when people sign up, they realize uh, this isn't just an event in August. There is there's lots of lead up. There's the, the webinars slash seminars. There are partner hikes. So uh, the people that sign up for this get to go out on a series of weekends with people from IJM and Next Step and Brave. And oh, cool. they, nice. they do get yeah, right. to have that more one-on-one time of asking deeper questions uh, on those hikes. They do get to have a more like completely informed um, perspective on what what they're fundraising for and you know what it is exactly that they've signed up for through the partners uh, that have that uh, matured perspective uh, well beyond where Rem and I you know have just jumped into this in the last uh, three four or five years whatever it's been um, so yeah we want to make sure that anyone that's uh, diving into this subject is is well cared for well prepared well educated and uh yeah that it's 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 going to be a journey uh whoever whoever decides they want to uh to come along and uh be involved uh, yeah but i really i really appreciate how it all circles back to a walk in nature to learn and to bring down barriers and to like mm-hmm. share space time and you add physical and like the walk and talks or getting out and adding physicality it's amazing how communication and learning and you just open up and things flow in a different way i love how that all pivots right back it wouldn't be a good marketer if i couldn't tie the whole story right back to you guys walking up the car and i know the cochrane hill really well doing the cochrane hill together breaking down those barriers and having a conversation that's led to what you guys are doing today so i i love that and what a a great origin story that you guys are still in the process of, of living out so um if anyone wants to get hold of each of you individually is it an email is it a linkedin is it is there a specific format you guys obviously uh, you know freedom8848.ca is there but is there any direct path if they want to chat with you guys Uh well I'm not about to give my phone number over the podcast but <laughs> Okay some people some people do that's why I always I just open it up and whatever but, you like uh, to give is fine <laughs> 100% no right or wrong I I think like first point of contact that's easiest is just the the email link that is on our our website yeah, that perfect. that comes through to both Rem and I Excellent. Gentlemen, thank you so much. Congratulations and uh, huge kudos for the work that you do and the initiative that you're creating. And this was amazing. I really enjoyed the story and uh, thanks for your honesty and just coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Hey, thank you, Todd. I really appreciate the opportunity. My pleasure. It's great. Yeah, that was great. Thanks.